You know, Will, I find it funny. Do you? I, <laughs> I find you funny. Will McCormick cracking me up pre-game before season five, episode number eight of the Tony G Show. Just cracking me up. You know, you know Will McCormick, the little personality. I find, I find him funny, and I find it funny that today's episode falls on a date that is not Halloween, but it is our Halloween special. Because I remember last year we did the Halloween special on Halloween. It was a Thursday? Yeah, you're right. It was like a weird Halloween. Yep. Yep. It was a Thursday night, middle of the week. So the Tony G Show was able to fall on Halloween. Halloween doesn't come till this Saturday, but this is a Thursday we're recording it. It's still our Halloween-themed Tony G Show. I hope you enjoy it. We got a big show coming your way. World Series is over. Tony G's prediction was correct. Will? I was close. Hit the bricks. I, I called Dodgers in six. You called Rays in seven. I like that prediction, too. Nonetheless, we, we called that before the, the series started, by the way, too. Mm-hmm. So, nonetheless, it came out that uh, I was right. Will was wrong, per usual. Dodgers in six. They won the World Series. We'll be covering all sorts of stuff throughout that series. And, and game six, the Dodgers, uh, the Rays moving forward, and a positive coronavirus test. In Game 6 of the World Series, we'll cover all of that. Plus, more coronavirus news. We're going to update the argument I had a few weeks ago, the episode that Will was out for when I talked about the coronavirus in college sports. And so we're going to be discussing that again because I don't go towards that argument. I don't, I'm not going to give that argument with a sense of arrogancy, but I told you so. We'll get there. And then, as always, wrapping up the Tony G Show on Thursdays, this Halloween episode, we'll see another round of Tony G's Picks of the Week. Big show coming up. Before we get there, we got to let you know the Tony G Show drops Tuesdays, Thursdays on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts, um, as well as Twitter. I tweet out the episode every time that, that, that I cut it up, edit it, and produce it. The minute I publish it, I, sh- I share it on Twitter. So the minute I put it on Twitter, that is the pretty much the minute, the same exact minute that it is uploaded to all podcast podcast fl- platforms. That Twitter that I'm talking about is Tony G for Days, my personal Twitter. Follow Willis at follow Will at Willis five three one two on Twitter. Stay connected with the show. I mean, why wouldn't you want to? Right. J- just missing an opportunity, really. I mean, good content on Twitter. You might as well connect with us now before we have like millions of followers before we get big. Yeah, because you can say you're here early then. Yeah, I mean, you were, you could say you're one of the first ones. Also, we're affiliated with SNC Radio. SNC Radio is available at sncradio.com or search up in favorite SNC Radio on the Radio FX app. Let's get into it. Halloween, a very spooky edition of the Tony G Show. All right, well, are you feeling spooky? A little bit. Are you? I mean, are you, I, I covered you in cobwebs before the show started to get the, mm-hmm. the feeling, yeah. the atmosphere of Halloween. Yeah. Are you feeling? Yeah, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I'm enthused. Very rambunctious Will McCormick mm-hmm. on the Tony G Show today for uh, the spooky Tony G Show version. It's Halloween, Will. I mean. Well, yeah. 
We'll pretend like it is. Will McCormick, <laughs> not giving me much to roll with. Debbie Downer. Debbie, <laughs> Debbie Downer. All right, let's get into it. The Dodgers have won the World Series. The 2020 World Series, a World Series that caps off a season like no other in professional sports and especially in Major League Baseball. Coronavirus was running rampant throughout the first couple weeks of the season. Then it was kind of under control. And nonetheless, we were able to play 60 regular season games for all 30 Major League Baseball teams. We had a extended playoff series. There were a few more teams to make it in than usual this year. And nonetheless, we went through the entire postseason. Six games of World Series play, and the Los Angeles Dodgers come away victorious over the Tampa Bay Rays in six games. They win the series 4-2. to two. So let's talk about it. What we're going to be diving into is how the Dodgers won a World Series. I mean, this was this was coming. We all knew... You know, they we're gonna go through their recent postseason history and and discuss how close they've come. And and I mean, it it, it wasn't a surprise to anyone that they were back in it this year, and the fact that they won it as well. So we're gonna talk about that, how they did it, and we're gonna discuss a few Dodgers legends who finally get to experience a World Series. And uh, you know, we're we're gonna give our congratulations to them from the Tony G Show. Also, we're gonna talk about the Rays moving forward. And then we're going to wrap up this discussion with a little bit of a coronavirus twist to it. And I hate to keep bringing the coronavirus into our shows because, I mean, you know, everyone wants a break from it. But it's just so prevalent in the sports world, we need to cover it. So let's get into it here. How did the Dodgers win a World Series for the first time in 32 years? I was ready to write them off as this generation's Buffalo Bills, Will McCormick. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When the Buffalo Bills lost four straight Super Bowls in the yeah. 80s and 90s, the Jim Kelly era, the, oh, he missed it, wide right, Al Michaels call in the uh, Super Bowl. I was ready to, to write them off as, as this generation's Buffalo Bills if they didn't win it all this year. Because this is their eighth consecutive playoff appearance, and this is their third time in a World Series in those eight years. And if they didn't win it this year, I would have had to. I would have had to call out somebody, <laughs> yeah, in the Dodgers organization for not putting it together. This is a talented team. This is a team that's well coached and, and a team that was really primed to win a World Series years ago. And the fact that this is their first one is a little bit astonishing, a little bit baffling. But the other two times they made it to the World Series, they ran into some pretty tense competition to the Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox. The, the competition wasn't that strong this year. I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays, don't get me wrong, they were right. a good team. They deserved their accolades that they received throughout the season. They played very well throughout the entire postseason. Uh, a couple guys stood out from the pack. Randy Arozarena had a good postseason. Blake Snell was pitching out of his mind. But you get what I'm saying. It, it wasn't like, what I'm saying is it wasn't Goliath, Goliath. You know what I mean? It's like the Dodgers are this big, talented, big money team that can afford their talent, can afford to bring in whoever they want, free agent-wise or trade-wise. Hint Mookie Betts. We'll talk about him in a second. But they also grow real good homegrown talent. I mean, mm-hmm. that's like above the pack. Yeah, that's why you can't really hate on the Dodgers because they're not like the Warriors where they like go out and sign all these big names. Right. I mean, they, Mookie Betts is a big signing, but... Right. Like, I mean, they do... Right, but... but like generally they grow speaking, talent. Gen- yeah, but generally speaking, they brought or they've 
they've had a really good farm system over the last couple of years. Right. I would I would definitely agree to that. And I think it's hard not to. I mean, look at some of the names that they have grown. Um, even if they've trade, traded for prospects, their eye for prospects and who who is going to be immediate, I don't want to say immediate, but who is going to be future star caliber type players. Who You know, they just have a knack for getting someone, getting a young player who is obviously going to progress to a major league level within three to five years after acquiring them. Like a Dustin May or a Bruce Dar Gratterall who is a part of the Mookie Bretts trade that we're going to talk about in a second. And, and when you look at the competition they've faced over the years in the World Series, Astros, they've done it the same way, growing homegrown talent, good coaching as well. And then the Boston Red Sox, big talent, big money. You know, they kind of did it the same way where they have a knack for finding prospects. This wasn't Goliath versus Goliath. This was the Tampa Bay Rays. No one really expected them to come around. And well, the Rays were the underdog for sure. Absolutely. They absolutely were. I mean, they're not... Not even close. They're like... It's hard to it's hard to picture it, but it's almost like they weren't supposed to be here. You know, they're a good team. They're a talented mm-hmm. team. They're a well-coached team, kind of. We'll talk about Kevin Cash uh, coming up in about 10 minutes here, but you get what I'm saying, that, you know, they're a good team. They deserve to be in the playoffs and go this deep, but they weren't supposed to be here. They were, they, they were a team that's supposed to get knocked out of the first round, knocked off the Yankees improbably. So, you know, it, it is what it is. They did what they had to do, and... Moved on down the line. So the competition wasn't the most strenuous for the Dodgers. But nonetheless, they put it together. And they were able to really put a full 60-game regular season together where they won over 40 games. Put a good postseason together. They didn't lose a game until they ran into the Padres. So, you know, they, they, they were primed to win the World Series this year. I don't think it shocked anybody. They had it coming. Like I said, eighth consecutive playoff appearance. They were just getting that close. This was their third World Series appearance in those eight years, and they have finally won it. Like I said, improbable talent, both homegrown and paid for in free agency and trades. So what do I mean by this? The Mookie Betts trade is the one that sticks out to me. Now they can grow their own now they can grow their own talent. But what sticks out to me is the money they've spent. We'll get into the exact amount uh, in about five minutes here. But just focusing on this trade alone. Dodgers got Mookie Betts and, and David Price from the Red Sox, as well as Bruce Dar Gratterall, who played a huge part in this World Series win for them. A hard-throwing 102-mile-an-hour right-hander, who's very young, I think about 22, 23, as well as... Someone who didn't really play a part this season, Luke Rayleigh. And they gave up Alex Verdugo, Jeter Downs, and Connor Wong. Do you see the talent they didn't really give up? I mean, Alex Verdugo is the name that had the most Mm -hmm. weight to it in in that category. But nonetheless, I mean, they know how to pull off the trades. They know how to spend the money. They were able to work a deal for Mookie Betts. And immediately after getting him, signed him to a 12-year contract. This was year one of those 12 years. And Mookie Betts already won a, a, a postseason, a, a World Series. So it's just smart f- front office moves. You remember that episode we had in Season 3 where we went through the front office yeah. of the yep. Dodgers? and Really picked it apart. Really picked apart the names and, and what they were doing, the moves they were making, who they were bringing in, who they were letting go. They're so smart. It's so, I don't want to say analytical because I don't know what goes into it 
for them. I, you know, I, I couldn't, right. you know, I haven't discussed it with any one of the front office personnel of the Dodgers, but it's so strategical. You'd have to assume that there's some sort of anal- analytics. Or I would, right? I would be willing to put a lot of money that there's a heavy amount of analytics that go into. I would agree. Number crunching. You, you know, they gotta. Mm-hmm. I mean, to make pull off big money moves like this and to have it work out this lopsided of a manner and this quickly as well. You know, they they number crunch better than anybody. The front office has really done well, and uh, you know we're not going to get into the the front office like we did that episode that I'm talking about. I believe it was season three, but. Nonetheless, they do it better than anybody. You can't argue that. You cannot argue that. The Dodgers deserve to win this World Series, and they and they did so pretty solidly. Before I get into the money aspect of it here, I want to talk about the managerial moves that they, that they were able to make. In-game managerial moves is what I'm talking about here. Dave Roberts has really come into his own. I mean, like I said... He has playoff experience now. He has experience in World Series. I mean, the three World Series that they were a part of, Dave Roberts was the manager. Mm-hmm. So he has experience, and he knows how to play his pitchers. He knows who how to play the hot hand, when to bench one of their starters, or maybe let them DH. He knows how to maneuver a lineup and his pitchers and, and, and his pitching rotation in the most effective way possible. Efficiency is really what he is really what he he is able to connect with his players. I mean, he is so efficient in how he manages a game. And I'm going to bring up this story. We've talked about this story on multiple episodes of the Tony G Show because it's just, I mean, it is it is so crisp, clean baseball that I, I cannot let it go. I have to continue to keep bringing it up. You remember the double steal story that I gave yeah. mm-hmm. when they did it against the Padres? You know, it was a, a 4-3 game. In like the sixth inning, runners on first and second, nobody out. And they double steal the minute that they bring in Drew Pomerantz, the Padres, bring in a a reliever. The first pitch from the reliever, double steal. No one's expecting it. Both runners get into their bases safely. They advance safely without a throw. What happens next? A a sack fly and an RBI. Then a bloop base hit. Now it's 6-3. The final score of that game was 6-5. If they didn't double steal there, they would have lost that ball game. But that managerial move was the deciding factor in them coming away victorious in that game. And then they also did it in the World Series, I believe, a, a double steal. I think it was game one or two. I believe it was game one or two where they uh, where they were able to pull off another double steal. Just improbable. It was. It's impressive how they how they maneuver a game and how they manage a game, how they use their analytics to their advantage. Playing high risk, high reward. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't win a World Series doing anything else. Mm-mm. That's the type of mindset you need to have if you're going to win it all. Speaking of analytics, this isn't a full transition to the Rays yet, but just look at the differences. Kevin Cash tried to play the analytics when he pulled Blake Snell in Game Six. We're going to talk about that in a minute here, and he lost that. Everyone blasted him for it. It was the worst move you could have made in the moment, and that's the second time he's done it this postseason. I blasted him a few. A few episodes ago for making a move like that, pulling out Blake Snell. He tried to play the analytics, and he lost. Dave Roberts plays the analytics. And my goodness, I mean, they they win a World Series in six games. They go to eight consecutive playoffs. And they go to three World Series in those eight years and win one of them. Dave Roberts uses analytics better than any other manager in, in, in baseball. 
Now let's get to the money aspect of it here. I hate to be this cat that brings up the money, but I just want to put it out there. It's only fair to put it out some of the payroll numbers that that the Dodgers have. The active payroll for the Dodgers. $173,601,834. million. I could go to I could go to school for the rest of my life. <laughs> and I could pay off my kids' school for the rest of their lives. That's a lot of money. I mean, let's let's take a look at their competitive balance tax threshold. 208 million. 208 million for a season. I'm not being this cat. I'm not saying they want it cuz they're a big money team. I'm not saying they want it cuz they have a bigger payroll than anybody else. I'm just saying that it played a part. That's, we all know it did. That definitely plays a role. It definitely did. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays aren't going to pull in Mookie Betts in a trade. No, no. San Diego Padres aren't going to pull in Mookie Betts in a trade. Brewers won't. Milwaukee Brewers won't. So they have like the, they have the appreciation of having some you know homegrown talent, but they're also they have the, it's a combination. Yeah, they have the the money side of it too, where like they're not going to be held up in this regard that they're that they're homegrown because they're really not yeah they're really not it's it's just a combination of both i mean the, look at the money that they i i have this chart sitting in front of me i can't i'm not going to read off all these numbers because you know we're on we're on a time schedule here on the tony j show we keep it very professional but i mean just the numbers that i've read off already estimated minor league contracts 2.5 million minor league contracts mm-hmm Look at their signing bonus and their active payroll. $18 million in signing bonuses. $18 million plus. I'm not, I'm not being that cat that says they want it solely because they are the big money team. I'm not saying that they want it because they can pay off whatever they need to. I'm just saying it was part of it. And we all know it was. It played a factor. And I'm just pointing it out there to, you know, to, to give the full perspective on how the Dodgers really won this World Series. All right. We've covered how they won the World Series. Now from the Tony G Show, we got to congratulate two players. Well, one player and one figure in Dodgers history. Of course, good for Clayton Kershaw, 13th season. Everybody I've talked to in the baseball world agrees Clayton Kershaw needed a ring before he could retire. I mean, the guy is... Let's look at some of his stats. He's won an MVP, a triple crown for pitchers, five-time earned run average title. A gold glove, three-time Cy Young award winner, eight-time All-Star. The guy has put up some legendary numbers. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. And he really needed this ring to put the cherry on top of his career. Good for him. Everybody can agree that he has worked and worked and worked at building his reputation, building his repertoire, and building a career a legendary career in which he can now ride off to the sunset if he wishes he's under contract for a couple more seasons in los angeles but no one can blame him if he retired tomorrow 13 seasons finally gets a ring good for him you know who else this is good for congratulations from the tony g show will who's that vin scully you know who vin scully is the legendary broadcaster for the los angeles dodgers he Announced for 67 years since 1950 for Los Angeles. Wow. 
Retired a couple years ago. I think it was three or four years ago. He started in 1950, 67 years. So about 2017 was his final season. Good for him. Gets to see another World Series. Mm-hmm. He's getting up there in age, and he's you know he's retired now. Good for him to see a World Series for the first time in 32 years in Los totally. Angeles. Congratulations from the Tony G Show. Someone who I admire, chasing a career in, mm-hmm. in broadcasting, I am. So good for him as well. By the way, Tony, I did a little number crunching. Okay. Um, I saw you with the calculator there. Yeah, yeah. I was just curious because okay. my own my own curiosity. Take your best bet at the difference between Dodgers' salary, base salary, so the $173 million, Okay. and the Brewers. Hmm. The Brewers' base salary, I want to say, is $80 million. No, a little bit higher. One hundred ten. Yeah, so the difference is about seventy-two million between the Dodgers and the Brewers. Wow, that's a big difference. That's a big difference. Seventy-two that's, million. That's for for a season, a single season. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That's the difference. That's the difference between a big and small market team. Mm-hmm, totally. And we bring up the Brewers because you know we're in Wisconsin. We we know we cover them a little more than other teams. You know, same thing with Packers or Badgers. I mean, we're going to be talking about the Badgers in the second segment of the Tony G Show, but you know what. Just because we bring up the Brewers, to keep it fair, big money and small market money comparison. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, it just puts that in more. Like, I mean, I'm you know, I've never seen the Dodgers stadium in person. I've seen the Brewers stadium in person, so I can kind of like right see like, oh wow, that's the difference between those. Do you think two you teams. can pull up the Rays for me? Yeah, look at the difference between them because we're going to be moving this discussion to the Rays, and while we do that, Will McCormick is going to be is going to be crunching numbers there between Rays. And uh, uh, the Dodgers here, money-wise. Let's talk about this. The Rays moved to to remove Blake Snell from a game. You got the number already? Yeah. What's their base salary? What do you think? $74 million. Wow. That's pretty crazy. Wow. What's the difference to $170? That's, That's nearly $100 million. $100 million in difference. I mean, wow. That's like that's like a million and some change off of a hundred million, or yeah, it's it's like really close. Unbelievable. That is pretty crazy. I mean, it's just and and good for the Rays to be there. Like I said, they weren't supposed to be there. No one expected them to be there. And if I felt like if they just managed their games a little differently with a little more efficiency, they could have they could have really solidified a chance to win a World Series. And the move I'm talking about is a move that everybody is talking about. Kevin Cash's decision to remove his starter, Blake Snell, from the game. Game 6, the game they lost to lose the World Series. Blake Snell had a one nothing lead in the 6th inning. 73 pitches and he starts the inning off with a hit. Gives up a base hit to start the inning. Only his second hit of the night. At 9 strikeouts, 73 pitches in the 6th inning with a one nothing lead. Kevin Cash decides to pull him. Blake Snell visibly upset. We've talked about this before on the Tony G Show just a few episodes ago. Why? You have to get that game feel, Kevin. You cannot pull him from the game at that point. Terrible. And I get it. Blake Snell hadn't finished the sixth inning in any one of his starts this season. Any one of him. Any one of those starts. The most he's gone, I think, is five and a third, five and two-thirds innings. And then he's been pulled before he can finish the sixth. Every single time this season. I get 
I get that you want to give yourself the best chance. And you think and you buy into the analytics that the third time through the batting order for the starting pitcher isn't always good. You have to get the game feel down and just let that make the decision for you before the analytics come into play. Terrible move to pull him. 73 pitches and you pull him. Just dealing, lights out, holding the Dodgers down. You'd rather... I mean, you're not going to get blasted if you keep him in the game. And, and he and he starts to get hit around a little bit. And then they lose the lead. Maybe they tie it off of Blake Snell. But then that's Blake Snell's loss. Who do you blame this loss on? You didn't give Blake Snell a chance to come out of that ball game. You bring in Nick Anderson, who, who had given up an earned run in, I think it was, six consecutive appearances coming into this game. Terrible. Terrible. That move... That move alone lost them the World Series. I'd go out, I'd venture out and say that the Rays would have won that game if Blake Snell would have stayed in there. Because Blake Snell would have clutched up. He would have he would have gained a sense of pride and trust that his manager respects his game enough and trusts him to keep him out there even though things might be slipping out of hand. Keep in mind, they didn't even slip out of hand fully yet. They didn't. It was the first hit of the sixth inning. He's at 73 pitches, still in control, can still get out of the inning. A ground ball erases that hit, and you throw on a 10th strikeout, and he's through the sixth inning. And you didn't give him that chance. That's terrible by Kevin Cash. Terrible. And I hope he learns his lesson and moves forward. I don't want to say he's going to lose his job. He shouldn't, because he's just trying to play the analytics. But, but, you have to learn. You have to take this moving forward, and we're going to talk about the Rays moving forward in a second. But just Kevin Cash has to learn to be better. Before we move forward, I want to ask, do you think you're putting an asterisk on this season? Do you feel like coronavirus affected the season this much? Or do you or do you think it didn't play that big of a role, so it's not really going to have that uh, designation? I'd say it, it, it w- I'd say coronavirus played a part if a team didn't get to play their 60 games. But every team played 60 games. Mm-hmm. The Marlins had to miss a couple weeks. Cardinals did too. And they just grinded doubleheaders on the last couple weeks of the season into the postseason to make sure they got all their games in. And they and they did, all of them. So they all played 60 games. And when they got to their bubble-type format, you know, they were all at neutral sites throughout right. the postseason. The coronavirus was contained pretty well. So I don't think it played that much of an impact on the outcome. I do think, however, it may have affected the atmosphere of the season. Right, I agree. Because momentum swings when a crowd is there compared to where, when a crowd is not there in, in attendance. Uh, a big difference. That, that makes a difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, let me tell you, I've been to a couple postseason baseball games and there's nothing like it. The momentum swing, momentum's real in sports, okay? Oh, yeah. I, people say it's not. I mean, it's, it's a real big argument. It's a real big argument in the sports world. Momentum's definitely a thing, especially Very when cool. a crowd is there. So I think I think coronavirus did play an effect to that yeah to I, that I think aspect but in baseball yeah. it's hard to see momentum too like it's it's a very methodical game um but if you just you know for comparison if we look at like basketball for instance I mean a team goes on a you know 8 eight oh run yeah you'll call a timeout yep. kill the momentum yep that's it's, absolutely it's, and it, there's no timeouts in baseball right that's and that's what I'm saying so like baseball it's hard to see sometimes because it's a very methodical game it, mm-hmm. it's really slow 
and it's it it sometimes people it's strategical yeah people it's a strategical and methodical game and i think some people associate momentum with very fast scoring Mm -hmm. and that rarely happens in baseball yep yep but it's but momentum still plays a role one of the ways that momentum shows out in baseball is the tempo of a pitcher right if he's cruising if he's moving along he's going to get the ball get right back on the mound and throw the next pitch if momentum's starting to sway out of his hands He's going to get the ball. He's going to rub it a little bit. He's going to walk around the mound. Then he's going to get back on the mound and throw his next pitch. And that gives the batter a breath too. Mm-hmm. The tempo of the pitcher is really the dictator of momentum in a game. That's a good point. Let's move forward with the Rays here before we wrap up this discussion about the World Series. I don't know if the Rays are going to come back into, into another World Series in the future. I think this was their one shot. The American League, more than the National League, I'd I'd be willing to argue is a little more competitive. There's a little more talent. There's better teams. There's a little more high money markets. If you're a a team like the Rays and you find your way into the World Series, you want to win it because you don't know when you're going to get back there. The Dodgers, you kind of predict, are going to be in the postseason mix for as long as they have talent like Mookie Betts. Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, a good manager in Dave Roberts, a good front office. As long as their salary's that high, too. As long as they have money coming in. You, you get a sense that they're going to be back there. That isn't the case in Tampa Bay. I want to say that Tampa Bay is going to be back there because I like, I like vying for the underdog. Mm-hmm. And I think most people do in sports. But, I mean, just speaking on a outside perspective here, I don't see them coming back. I, I don't see them... I see them being competitive. I see them playing good baseball. I see Kevin Cash learning from his mistakes. But getting back to this point deep in the, into the postseason is a hard thing to do. You really need magic on your side. And they did that, knocking off the Yankees, Astros, and such. So it's tough to do that again. Mm-hmm. And the point I made with the Brewers, again, we're going to bring them into it. Back in 2018, when they were one game from the World Series, what did I say? I said it's hard to get this deep into the playoffs, this healthy. Right. Not dealing with injuries, not dealing with that big, oh, our ace starting pitcher has to miss a couple weeks, not dealing with our, our, our cleanup batting third baseman has to miss a couple weeks because he tore a To get this deep into the playoffs, this healthy, is a rare feat. It's a rare thing to do. And look at the Brewers the last couple wow. years. They've dealt with injuries. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's the sole reason they haven't gotten deep into the playoffs. I think a couple other mistakes have mixed in there. But it, the injuries, getting back there healthy, tough thing to do especially for tampa bay and on a budget too i mean that's just rare yep it's it rare. is it is and it, it plays a part it, you hate to see that but it, it does play a part right in the not just baseball but in the, all the sports we love today it's it, like it's gonna be very I, I could see the rays being compared very much to the brewers when they made their push you know they were relatively cheap um right they didn't have any big contracts they played really well yeah and i bet you now the rays will go and maybe sign some bigger contracts yep. and it's gonna be you know they'll, they'll play well they'll be good like like you're saying they'll make some pushes but it's gonna be hard to see them i have a hard time seeing them make a push this deep again at least mm-hmm. for a while speaking of moving forward for not just the rays but both teams here i wonder how the money how the budgets are going to differ because I believe all sports lost money this year, not having oh, yeah. attendance, not having concession stands be open, not making merchandise in stadium. Why? So I wonder how the budgets are going to switch. Yeah, I mean, like, why do you think they added a couple teams to the playoffs this year? Yeah, try to get the really? viewership up. Try to, and Game Honestly. 1 of the World Series, I think I saw was the one of the lowest-viewed World Series, lowest-viewed Game 1 in 
decades. I'm, I'm telling you right now, they didn't add those teams for the sake of competitiveness. They nope. added them for money. And Rob Manfred has come out and said he doesn't think he's going to do that again this year. So that kind of gives insight. Right. It's, it was all money-based. It kind of gives insight to what they're thinking. Before we wrap up this discussion, did you hear about the coronavirus controversy in Game 6? So the postseason for Major League Baseball was held at neutral sites. It was kind of like quote-unquote a bubble like the NBA did, but it wasn't one stadium. When they got to the World Series, they did do just one stadium in Texas, Globe Life Field or Park. Their old stadium is Globe Life Field or Park, and their new one is Globe Life Field or Park. The park and field are interchangeable. So off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you which is which. But it was the new stadium, first season ever uh, in in service for Texas, and that's where they did the World Series this year. Of course, to try to contain the coronavirus spreading through so they could get a, a postseason in and, and get it over with. Game six, no, no positive tests throughout the postseason. Game six, while the game is going, I think it's like the fifth or sixth inning, Justin Turner, Dodger third baseman, gets pulled out of the game. No one knows why. Twitter's why is he getting pulled out? The announcers don't know why. Dodgers kept it secret until after they won the World Series. Justin Turner pe- tested positive for coronavirus in game. That's crazy. One of the tests came back. He tested positive during the game. So he got pulled, kept it secret throughout the game. And I mean, I, that's that's hard that's hard to play. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't who there's no handbook on how to handle this stuff. So it's no. it's tough. You know, some I heard someone on Twitter say that I'm surprised they didn't cancel the game or whatever. You can't do that. It's a World Series game. You can't do that. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, Especially, we said it was the sixth inning, right? Yeah, fifth, that's, sixth that's way inning. too far into it. To, yeah, you can't just call it and be like, "We'll no. start again in two weeks." Because no. then, then that puts the asterisk on the World Series. And I mean, it's Game Six too. That, that's what I'm saying. Like, if if they cancel that one game, and the Dodgers go to lose a series, boom, there's yep. an asterisk on that season, and that, yep. that championship suddenly means nothing. And the credibility of, the, of that championship for whoever won it isn't there as much as it would be. Right. So here's the controversy that's coming up after the game. Justin Turner was seen out on the field. I wouldn't say celebrating. It wasn't like he was out there holding the trophy. He got in the, into the team picture. You know, after every World Series, they take the team picture with the trophy in the middle, and, and everyone in the organization piles in on the field for the picture. Justin Turner was out there sitting down kind of next to the trophy, had his mask on. I could see it in his eyes that something wasn't right. And by this time, it came out. They, you know, I got the notification on my phone. So I could see it that he kind of felt guilty, kind of wanted to just get this picture done with and get off the field. Hopefully no one saw him. And there's controversy about how it how it was handled and Major League Baseball was thrown together an investigation to see how this was handled. Listen, it's the World Series, okay? How many times is Justin Turner going to get to win a ring? Nobody knows. This was his first one. He wants to be out there for the team picture. He was a big part of this team that won it. Yeah, and I guess my thing too is that, you know, in reality, none of the viewers are affected by this. It's his teammates. So if his teammates right. are okay with it, then then that's reality. And, yeah. and then that's, you know, you got to let it go. Yeah, I would agree. And and the point people are making, though, is that the families are out there, too, and there's kids and there's wives and there's parents. And I get that. It's, like I said, though, there's no handbook on how to handle this. Right. I mean, it's a tough situation. He had his mask on, and then when the picture was going to be taken, he took it off. I'd, I'd do the same thing. Yeah, and I mean, I would, like I said, even though the families are there, I would like to assume that those people that being that close to the Dodgers organization would know at least before you found out. Right. So, like... You would think. 
I mean, can you imagine the morale the, the morale on the team if they threw a positive player without yeah. anybody knowing? I mean, that yeah, that would ruin the chemistry. I mean, there's no way those players didn't know that. I wonder how the players found out when they found out and how they handled it. Because after the picture was taken, I, I watched Justin Turner specifically, and he dapped up, kind of shook hands with two teammates. So did they know? I I, I would guess. I I mean, mm, I would have to tough, guess. I don't know. I would have to guess. I mean, that would be... you. Yeah, you want that clarity throughout. That you don't ruin, want that hidden from anyone within the organization. Yeah. The I mean, media is one thing, but within the organization, no. I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know... If we were doing a show right now and you're positive and you didn't tell me, oh yeah, I'd be mad, yep. like really mad. Yep. You know, so I I don't see that they the Dodgers would do that to the right. chemistry of their own team. That doesn't make any sense. Or even like if I did the show and was hiding a symptom, that's wrong, of right, course. Right. Right. And Justin Turner came out after the game and said, "I had no symptoms. I have. I still have no symptoms." Mm-hmm. That's what he said to the media. So interesting. I I don't know what. Yeah, it's it's very. Uh, no handbook on how to handle. No. Tough. It'll probably come out after the coronavirus is gone. The handbook on <laughs> is the coronavirus ever going to be gone? Will? No, but I only hope under control. Uh, not you know, not knock on wood, but when we're not in the middle of a pandemic. Anymore. Yes, when we're not in the middle of it. Ah, I hate the coronavirus, but nonetheless, we're going to continue to talk about coronavirus just because it's so prevalent. I mean, this is a discussion I want to have, and we're going to move from World Series baseball to college football and college sports as a whole. A few weeks ago when Will McCormick was out in that episode, I, I forget what it was called. I think Southern Comfort was the episode. I discussed the coronavirus in college football and how it was up to a few of the conferences to come out and say we're going to have seasons and this is how we're going to handle it. This is how we're going to try and contain it. And I, I, I blasted them. I thought it was the wrong move. I thought... There shouldn't be a college football season. Professional sports is different because there's no college atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Right? You're not in a dorm room with six other guys. Right. It's different. You're not in a classroom with, I mean, these are some big schools. Yeah. Hundreds I mean, of other students. Even here, you know, we're at, you know, anywhere from 1,800 to 2,500 students here. And I mean, we're yeah. very high risk individuals. And Just because it's college. Right. That's how it is. We live very close together. It's, it's yeah. a very intimate setting. In terms of just like how close you are with people, and you know, you look at UW Madison; it's ten times, it's ten times as bad as we experience it here. Yeah, it is because of you know, again so many people close proximity to each other. So, speaking of a place like Wisconsin, I discussed how the coronavirus is and will continue to run through college football. And what do you know? I blasted the Big Ten for over for overruling their decision to come back and play this season. And what do you know? One week in, they have one game in, and Wisconsin-Nebraska is canceled because Graham Ertz, quarterback for the Wisconsin Badgers, tested positive. He has to miss 21 days. That's a lot. That's a long time. But what did I tell you was going to happen? First week, here we are. And I'm going to reiterate the point that I had back when I first discussed this on, I believe it was Southern Comfort. I think it was episode number four or five of the Tony G show this season. I'm going to reiterate this point. I don't want to make this argument, okay? I don't I I love college football. I love college sports. I love sports as a whole, but in college there should not have been a football season this mm-hmm. year. It shouldn't have happened. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be on the side, but I have to it, it's, it's just logical. Yeah, it is. And like for anyone that says, you know, well this is these guys futures, it's like, well, you know, 
it was my future when I was in fifth grade too. Like that, you know, that shouldn't be your only. Right. These guys shouldn't have be, even though they are, and you know, some may disagree with me. You shouldn't be solely focusing on one thing to be your career in the future because I have like five backup plans. You never know. You never know what's going to happen, especially in sports. One injury, one know. one wrong step. Right. Your like career. Like if if computers come out that you know I so I'm an accounting major. And what if computers come out and they can fully automate the accounting process? But I'm like, no, but, you know, I go, I'm go, i going to school for this, so that's not, that shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, well, You don't tough. get that say. Tough. That's that's how the world works. Yep. That's tough. And now let's relate that back to the coronavirus in college football. I'm sorry, but like Will, like Will McCormick's saying, it's tough. It's but, the way it is. But that's reality. I'm asking you as the listeners, as, as, opposes, as opposer, as opponents to my argument, I want you to remove your bias and look at this through a logical lens. There shouldn't have been a college football season. It shouldn't have happened. College, college sports, almost didn't happen. Yes. And there was that big discussion at the start of you know college semesters in uh, late August, early September. Oh, we can't have sports, but we can have students back on campus. You know, whatever. It, there were big discussions about that throughout the media. And it's... It's the same. It's listen. You cannot have college sports in the middle of a pandemic here. Mm -mm. College is close proximity. Things are going to travel. Things are going to spread. And whether you think the coronavirus is dangerous or not, it's here, and everyone has to adhere to it in the same manner. Nobody likes it. No one's sitting here saying, "Yeah, go coronavirus." Right. That's not what this is. It's just logic. Let's let's think. Yeah, let's think about the future here because. In reality, the more we ignore it, the longer it's going to stick around. That's a good point. That's you a know, good point. We can argue that Let's get it over be... with as, as, as one yeah. solid unit, one there's solid gonna... society. Right. There's going to be, you know, potential ways of fighting it. But for now, this is the only way we know how to. And it's like, let's just ignore it because we need to play football or we need to play soccer. Or we need to play volleyball. Like, that's just, it's ignorant. Yeah, it is. It's very ignorant. And I get that you love sports. I get that, especially in college, you only have so many more years before you can play it and and you're done, and you're out in the real world, so you want your experiences in your sport, but, I mean, everyone's in the same boat. You know what I'm saying? So, um, we could get into that entire discussion again, but, again, that was Season 5, Episode 4, Southern Comfort. Right. Uh, Will McCormick was not here, so I'm glad he's here discussing this one as well. Let's shift from college football to college basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, college basketball's coming up. I don't... I'm in the same boat here. Yeah. What do you do? I, I don't think the, you should have a season here. The only way I can see college sports being even remotely, you know, considered as okay would be if they're totally isolated in a bubble. Right. Because then it's like, you know, if which would be doable if they do online classes, but that again, that's not the reason you're going to college. I, I like that point. So if athletes are in the bubble, if they zoom into their classes or Google Meet into their classes and they still get their work done or still academically eligible mm-hmm. and are held into this bubble with each other, then it's then, yeah, then, then, then you can make an argument. But I haven't heard anything like that, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what it's like. That would be on campus. Uh, I. I don't know if it's all basketball players in in one unit and then all football. I, I don't know. Because here's the thing, Tony. If if every football player in the world was told, "Look, you have to go to this one bubble to play football," I guarantee you, seventy percent of them wouldn't do it. Sure. Because that. Because when when it you know when the truth comes or when we get down to the brass tacks, football isn't that important to them to leave their campus environment. And here's the thing, and we haven't or, talked... Or, ba- to, we, or basketball either, sorry. We haven't talked to ath- athletes about this. I don't know the exact number on who would go, who wouldn't. 
to a bubble right. situation. But the college experience happens without their team. You know what I'm saying? So it's not just basketball players spend their entire day with basketball. You know, they right. they branch out and they network and they meet people and they, you know, athletes meet, you know, wives and and right. and, I, and yeah. husbands out here in in college. I mean, this is a very social time of their lives. So, mm-hmm. I mean, their lives happen not just with their team. That's that's what I yeah I guess I I didn't mean to put you know analytics to it, but I'm just trying to exaggerate. We're just trying to give that, perspective. Yeah. yeah, that like I find it very unlikely that. Sports are that important to these to these high or not high schoolers to these college athletes that they would go and you know isolate themselves right to play it solely. I just find that very unlikely. I mean, you know, let me know on Twitter if you disagree with me. I'd love to hear it, but I have a hard time believing that you know sure college athletes would be willing to give up their social environment to to focus on their career. You know, of, this is of a sport. This is a good discussion, and it's getting a little heavy. I can't wait till we lighten things up with Tony G picks of the week here. But before we do that, I do want to talk about uh, something that really spurred this discussion for me was basketball coach Mike Shashevsky for Duke. You know, we all know Mike Shashevsky, Coach K. You know, basketball, college basketball has this rule of 31 games or whatever. They reduced it down to 27. And Mike Shashevsky kind of came out and said, and this is via ESPN, there is no regular season game. Excuse me, there is no regular season. From the very start, this was not looked at as the same at as the okay. Mike Shashevsky via ESPN, and I quote: "There is no regular season." He continues by saying, "From the very start, this was not looked at as a time that we are in a pandemic and there is going to be a regular season. It's not like we've had that. The NCAA." Got a starting date and they got an end date. Nothing against them. That's the main thing they're all concerned about. But then it really goes down to the conferences to figure it out. We're going to have March Madness. We don't know how many teams will get in. We don't know a lot of things. We're going to have to know about the regular season. We just don't know much about both. And that's a hell of a way to run a railroad. Close quote. Mike Shashevsky, very poetic there. Let's sum it up by saying, and now I'm paraphrasing here, the amount of unknowns are making it difficult for him to coach. That's basically what he's saying. And it's and he is relating it to other teams, not just in his conference, but every team, every conference through college basketball. That's what he's saying when he says they're leaving it up to the conferences to figure it out. No one knows anything. And I'm not saying, I'm not putting words into his mouth. I'm not sure if he's for or against having a season. I'd imagine he's for it because, you know, of course. Who can blame him? He's coaching and, you know, I just assume that's the stand he'd take. But when you look from an outside perspective, I mean, really, what's the cost here? Thousands of kids are going to be put at risk to the coronavirus. Thousands of kids are going to be held into isolation and quarantines potentially. And now we're going we're, we're gonna to go through with that. We know it's coming, but we're going to go through with it because we want a college basketball season. Listen, I want a college basketball season as much as anybody. Same with football. I want to see college sports. But college is different than professional. Mm-hmm. It's it's not the same thing. You can't do it like that. Yeah, and I guess I want to – I don't want to apologize, but I want to, you know, explain myself. Um, it's just irritating as a college, you know, uh, a college student who takes my education very seriously. Um, I know I'm grateful here at St. Norbert. They're taking – you know, they're understanding our situation and – we have no sports going on. They've done a great job. They've done a great job. Norm, yeah. um, but I know of 
family members and friends at Madison, UW-Madison, um, who are all online. School, you know, classes online, they're paying, you know, good money to go to that school. Right. And when it, when it comes down to it, UW-Madison and other schools, they care about making money. It's a business. Well, college is a business. It's a business, but it's funny because it's a business about education, but it's it's becoming this business about sports and, you know, making as much money as possible, and it's very obvious that, you know, football is more important. Having well, yeah. Football this season is more important than having in, in-person classes. Like, that doesn't make sense. You're a college. And so I it just it's irritating as a college student to to just see that so obvious because it's it was obvious in the past, but now it's like, well, athletics athletics yeah. is a big money maker for college, right? And it just seems counterintuitive because a college colleges are built to you know educate, not to right. play football. College college is a business. I, it I've, is. I've seen that, and no one can blame them. I mean, they got a profit too. There's people that they have a payroll to make. They have a mm-hmm. budget to to keep. So I get it. You know, college is a business. It's just like anything in the world, right? I guess. My frustration is that it's just like, that's. I mean, it could you know, be handled that's differently. Not, that's not where I am in life. I'd, I'm not going to play football to make a living, so I have a hard time relating. Right, right, and we do. We, you know, we have an outside perspective. I've been saying that throughout this entire discussion, but still, when you look at it logically, I love college sports. Will loves college sports. We love, we love watching sports. I love Mark from Madness. an entertain. I mean, but, but, just logically, is there any way that we could do this without? allowing coronavirus to spread at an uncontrolled rate that we're seeing in college football? I don't know. Let us know what you think on Twitter at Tony G for days at Willis5312 on Twitter. Let's lighten up the conversation here. Wow, I'm starting to get a little down talking about these big discussions, these big heavy you know, payrolls and budgets to make and, and coronavirus, whatever. Let's pick it up a little bit, Will. What do you think? A Halloween-themed Tony G show? Sounds good. A Halloween-themed Tony G picks of the week coming up. Eight and seven. I repeat, I am eight and seven. Over 500 in Tony G picks of the week. I went four and one last week, thanks to the Chicago Bears for blowing a clean sweep. Five and oh for me last week. All right. Let's start here Thursday night. Coming up tonight, Falcons one and six. Panthers three and four. No Julio Jones for the Falcons. No Christian McCaffrey for the Panthers. Here's the thing, though. Hmm, this is a tough one. Matt Ryan with Julio Jones this season compared to without Julio Jones this season. A look at the numbers. Matt Ryan with Julio Jones. 71 completion percentage. 358 pass yards per game on average. 11 touchdowns, 1 interception, and a passer rating of 114.8. Without Julio Jones this year, Matt Ryan, just under a 60% completion percentage. Just under 250 yards per game. One touchdown, two interceptions, and a passer rating of just about 75. It's a big difference. It's a huge difference. I don't I don't think it's a, the easiest of wins for the Panthers, but I do think they're going to come out on top. I get it. The Falcons have lost four of their six games by seven or less points, but I just read the numbers without Julio Jones, who is ruled out for tonight. 
as well as Christian McCaffrey, though. It'll be a good game. It'll be an interesting game, better than <laughs> Thursday night last week. Philly and Giants. I should just stop picking NFC East because I got another <laughs> game coming up. Whatever. Anyways, Panthers are going to win tonight on Thursday night football. Sunday noon game. Steelers again. I mean, they're playing good football, mm -hmm. but they, they're starting to prove a track record. They've had good games. They just beat the Titans last week, and they have Baltimore, who is 5-1 this week. Baltimore looked bad against Kansas City when they had to play a good football team. The Steelers have the number one defense, and just about 26 points or more in each game this season for the Steelers. Big offense. I think the Steelers are going to come away. They're going to stay undefeated. They're going to move to 7-0. Panthers, Steelers, Sunday 3-30. Saints, 4-2. Bears 5-2. Listen, the Bears couldn't stop the run against the Rams last, last Monday night. They looked bad. That was a bad football game for them. It was bad. They couldn't stop the run, and the Saints have Alvin Kamara. I'm going to pick New Orleans. I'm going to pick the Saints yep. to go on the road, beat the Bears in Chicago. Sunday night game. Here comes another NFC East game in prime time. <laughs> this better get bounced. I mean, Steelers Baltimore better get picked up to Sunday night. I mean, this is ridiculous. Cowboys two and five, Eagles two four and one. Look what I no wrote in my notes here, Will. I mean, really. This will be a fun divisional one, just because it's going to be like they're going to take it so seriously. Well, this is for first place. Yeah. I'm going to pick the Eagles. They're going to move to three four and one, sole place in uh, first, sole first place in the division for them. Monday night, Buccaneers at five and two. Head to Giants, another NFC East team in prime time. Let's go here! Giants are one and six. Did I have to, did I have to write anything on my notes there? Can't Buccaneers the are gonna win. No, not even close. That game ain't gonna be close. I'll call it right here. Yeah. I like those picks this week. Hopefully, I can stay under five, stay over five hundred. It's, I think it's a possible. It's a doable week for you. I would agree. Every week is a doable week for me. Will. I am the pick master. Last week you were. I was. Yeah. If it wasn't for the Bears, thanks for nothing, Chicago. I'm okay with that one. Yeah. Eh. I'm um, not okay all with the games any losses. Lost that week, that one I'm okay with. Okay. Thanks, Will. Yeah. I'm glad to have your approval. You're welcome. What do you say we wrap up this packed Tony Chi show? I gotta say, this might have been the best episode. This was a good episode. This was a fun episode. Of, uh, always stay connected with the show at Tony G for days on Twitter at Willis5312 on Twitter. Let us know what you think, and continue to listen, continue to subscribe and download our episodes. We really do appreciate the support. Yeah, thank you. And, uh, you know, throughout the coronavirus, we've been able to come back and have a season five of the Tony G Show. On the March to 100, I think this is episode number 80 of the Tony G Show. So wow. we're getting close. We're marching down. I look forward to where we go. We'll be back on Tuesday. For Will McCormick, I'm Tony G. We'll see you next time on the Tony G Show.